Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker is here and ready to rank the top 10 most overrated sons of bitches in the NHL. Justin, <laughs> are you ready? I feel like I feel as though um, I have to be angry at these guys because they've just caused me so much just I don't know, are, are they annoying because they're overrated? Is that like a are we are we angry at them or are we angry at uh, like the New York Post? Angry at the New York and Post. NBC Sports? No, not a, no, no, not NBC Sports. ESPN. There who you are go. We, who are we it. angry at for these guys being overrated? Oh boy, everybody. Let's just let's go with TSN because they're they're the TSN. Big dogs. Okay, <laughs> it's TSN's <laughs> fault. Yes. Um, well, if if we're ranking TSN's most overrated players, then it's time to just put all Canadian players, like Canadian team players, on to uh, this list. But uh, <laughs> what, what before we jump in, what made you decide on your list? Like, what what kind of factors were you thinking through? Yeah, so I mean, I, I took a combination of things into play here, right? So uh, one, the contract was huge, right? So. Um, you know, if you're getting paid, you know, like Austin Matthews money, right, you're expected to be, you know, higher than a point per game player, put up 50 goals, you know, 40 goals, whatever. Uh, there's certain expectations that come with certain contracts, right? So um, that played a large part into my consideration. The other part is, you know, where you are expected to play in the lineup, right? So if you're you're getting top pairing minutes, you're expected to perform like a top pairing defenseman, right? For example, um, you know, you might look at Mo Sider, right, from the Detroit Red Wings. He's a guy who gets top pairing minutes for Detroit. He plays, you know, 25 minutes a night. So you expect his production to reflect that, right? And then so if you're Are a guy you saying who, he's on your list? No, no, not at all. <laughs> he almost made mine. Uh, and then, you know, I almost put I him at number 10. Wow. I would have just, just hung up the you. phone. <laughs> hung up the phone. Like we're just not, like you would have, you would have actually taken that handheld phone and crashed it into the receiver. And right. we would have all heard it. Yeah, and then, you know, the other thing I, I also took into consideration, too, was your age. Because if you're a young player, if you're a 20-year-old, uh, for example, like Alex Lafreniere, right? He's he's somebody who really hasn't lived up to the hype of a number one overall pick. However, Funny he's enough, young. he's my other just missed. He's my other. So, yeah. He so, really was you know, on my just missed list. Not I love side. it. I love it. But but that's the thing, too, right? So, so if, you know, if you're still young, I, I kind of give you a little bit more grace, a little bit of a pass sometimes just because – uh, to me, right, you still have to kind of grow into that. However, if you're like, you know, if you're, a, uh, you know, Connor McDavid when he came out at 19, 20 years old, right, those expectations were there. And you could be judged a little bit more harshly, I feel like, when you're considered a, a, a franchise-altering player or generational talent. Okay. All right. That's, uh, yep. I I would agree. I the, the other one other thing that I had trouble with, I think, was uh, – including goalies on this list. Only one goalie made my list. Uh, it's almost like you got to have like a, a whole separate, maybe like a top five for goalies, but I I had trouble doing the goalies with the, with the skaters. Um, a lot of mine came down to contracts. Um, some of it came down to hype. And uh, it, I also had a hard time, you know, you've got some, maybe some veterans who at one point were not overrated, but now they are. And you're like, well, I mean, how much is it that they're overrated or just they're getting older? And so they're, yeah, the 35-year-old isn't the same as the 28-year-old. And I don't know that anyone expects them to be. Uh, but I did have maybe a couple on my list that it was like, it seems like the expectation is still pretty darn high that they would perform like they were 26 and yet they aren't anymore. But it's not necessarily the player's fault that they're on this list. It's just maybe public perception uh, how they ended up on on my list as well. Uh, okay, well, why don't we start with your just miss list since you went through all mine? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so my I only have one person on my just miss, and that's Nicholas Suzuki. Okay. Yep. Yeah, he. I. I would. I, you could say he was on mine too because I. I thought long and hard about him. Decided not to put him there, but. Uh, why why is he just missing your list? So I, I, I thought about putting him a little bit higher, but really given his age, right? So he just he he got the the pass a little bit, right? So um, you know, I, I all the hype that came with him, a high pick coming out of Vegas and um, 
you know, really he's, you know, already been given the captaincy for the Montreal Canadiens. And so there's certain expectations that come with that level of play. And um, really when you're a number one center, right, there's also certain expectations that come with that. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of hype around this guy as, you know, being the, f- the future and the, the present of Montreal. And, and really it's just been kind of underwhelming for me just uh, watching his play on the ice. And, and a lot of it has to do with the eye test. So um, I, I feel like this last year he took a pretty big step forward. I mean, I know his points his point totals were pretty similar from 61 to 66, not a huge jump. Um, that plus minus, though, t- minus 29 to minus 13. I mean, that that is a pretty stark improvement. Uh, but uh, but my one note was that he did most of that without Cole Caulfield and yep. the year before he was with Cole Caulfield. So, I mean, I think you're seeing an improvement on both ends of the ice. Uh, the I almost put him in there because I have seen a lot of comparisons to Patrice Bergeron with him. That like, well, you know, he doesn't put up the big points because he's more of a defensive center. Um, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. But to tr- even try and breathe his name in the same uh, breath is just disrespectful uh, to <laughs> Mr. Patrice Bergeron. So he missed my list, but he almost made it uh, because and maybe some of that's just like Montreal Canadiens hype train too, right? Like he he had that monster playoffs his second year. Uh, when the Canadians went to the finals too. And I, I think that probably has contributed to a little bit of his, the aura around him there, but being from Montreal, of course you're, you're always going to be a little more hyped than say a, a younger player from the San Jose sharks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing too, you know, I, that I took into consideration, like when you mentioned line mates, right? So that played a factor in a lot of my decision-making with this list. And when looking at Nick Suzuki, right, if he'd played the whole entire year with Cole Caulfield and had the same production, he probably would have made my top 10. However, without him, it kind of factored in a little bit too, where you say, okay, cool. Well, now he's driving play a little bit more. Whereas before you could say maybe it was Cole Caulfield driving the play. Okay. That's fair. Uh, all right. Let's, let's swing on into the top 10. Who made your, who, who just made your list at number 10? All right, the Just Makers. Uh, number 10, I've got Matthew Barzell. Okay. Yeah, I have him on my list too, so that's a we're, we're right there. A little higher, but uh, why is okay. he on your list? Yeah, so really, I mean, uh, for one, right, he's getting paid $9.15 million bucks. so sure. there's, there's that huge money expectation with it too, right? But when I look at his production, right, he's only been a point-per-game player once in his career, and that was his rookie season. And that was with John Tavares as the number one center. Absolutely, right? So now... He's expected to literally take those. six years ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so now he's, he's the number one guy there. He is the guy there. Um, the, the production just hasn't been there and I get it right. So you very have Yeah, absolutely. The, the coaching, right. You want a little bit more defensive minded play, but, but still for a guy who skates like he does, who can drive play like he does, I expect a little bit more than just 60 points in 80 games. And, and granted the point per games, we're a little bit higher this year than they have been the last few seasons, which is great to see that. But yeah, if he um, hadn't gotten hurt, he's probably a seventy-point guy, right? But also another reason why he he makes I feel like my list everyone's now too. point totals went up about ten points, no matter what. So it doesn't really count, <laughs> does it? But so another reason why, like uh, again, too, he gets a knock on my book is the fact that he's so poor in the face-off dot. He gives the puck away. I mean, a lot more than he takes it away. And this year he finally, I mean, granted, yes, it was only half the year, but he finally gets a line mate uh, that is responsible defensively. And he still can't seem to increase the production where I feel it should be for being a number one, you know, winger or center, whatever you want to call him. Okay. Um, I think all those are fair. Um, My number 10 is a Pittsburgh Penguin goaltender. And it's uh, Mm. Tristan Jari. My only goaltender to make the list, uh, but Tristan Jari, I feel like he signs this huge contract, you know, uh, what, five years at 5.375 per, and he's 28 years old. I don't expect this contract to look great at the end of it. He really can't make it through a regular season, and this could have maybe been justified had Pittsburgh also gone out and got a goaltender that... You you look at him and go, okay, I'm I'm comfortable with that goaltender also playing alongside of him. Uh, but do we feel that way about Alex Nedeljkovic? I personally do not. I 
I shudder to think about the possibility of Nadelkovich getting into like 35 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, that to me is pretty much a, you will not make the playoffs if he plays that much. So it worries me about Jari. He's never proven that he can play too many games. He always gets hurt. And uh, I think that he's he's been horribly overrated, at least by by one man, and that would be Kyle Dubas. I know he maybe you could say he didn't have any other options, uh, but you're going to spend that kind of money. I, I I feel like you do you do have options. You could have gone out and made a made a trade, done something different, and uh, instead he's banking on on him being healthy for once. I guess Carolina's made that bet on Freddie Anderson. And it sort of worked, except for, oh, wait, he got hurt again. Like, all these goalies that we see people make bets on, oh, they'll, they'll have a healthier year. No, they don't. They just don't. And and like I said, if if he if you could guarantee me Jari's only going to play 40 games in the regular season, like a Ben Bishop kind of vibe, I, I could be there. But he will get pushed and uh, will likely get hurt. So. Or he'll be playing through an injury, and that'll be the excuse. So, um, I yeah, that's that's Tristan Jari. He's the first of two penguins on my list. Of two penguins. Yes. Okay. I'll, can I just jump into my number nine because it's another penguin? Go for it. Let's go. Uh, it's Eric Carlson, the Norris Ooh. Trophy winner. Yeah, a tro- I mean it. That's a, I can't wait to hear this because when you you win some hardware, right? There's a good sure. reason. You're winning hardware. Sure, yeah. There's a there's a great reason he won it. Uh, it's because the Norris Trophy is the Art Ross Trophy for defensemen. So, I mean, yeah, he had a <laughs> fantastic year. There's no doubt about it. Tell me at any point in the regular season, did he have anything to play for in terms of winning games? None. Well, I'll absolutely give you that one. none. Nothing. So, yay, he had. Uh, now, it's. I'm not saying that anyone could have just. Wa- I mean, obviously. You've got plenty of good defensemen on bad teams or good players on bad teams, and they don't put up record-setting seasons, right? So I, it's not as if Eric Carlson's bad. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer. I'm not even saying he's not the best defenseman of his generation. But I I think at this stage of the game, at 33 years old, going on to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are old as freaking dirt... I think him going there and all of a sudden this Pittsburgh team that couldn't even beat shit Chicago to make the playoffs. I I really, I don't, I don't think that Eric Carlson walks in here and makes the difference that we think he will. And, uh, I'm not going to give any predictions yet, but I've got some really fun predictions about the Pittsburgh Penguins when the time comes. Uh, so, but I, I just, Eric Carlson, is overrated from the standpoint that he's going to walk into the Pittsburgh Penguins and change the entire organization from a non-playoff team into a Stanley Cup contender. That's absurd. Okay. There it wow. is. There it is. <laughs> the old HT. The I take. cannot wait to hear these off-season predictions with these teams. Oh, my. Oh. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm about ready. Well, we could start any time. Yeah, yeah. We just I I I want to see a couple more signings. <laughs> for, no, there's no signings left to, that'll really make a big difference, but Oh, too great. I mean, listen, Thomas Tatar could come in and make the difference there in Pittsburgh. Tommy Tatar. Yep. Yep, for sure. Uh okay. Well, let's hear your number 9. All right, number 9. I've got somebody from from your favorite team and my only Maple Leaf to make this list. Uh that is John Tavares. Okay. Yep, two two yeah. uh, so far two former two Islanders at some point two. have made your list. Yep, yep, um, yeah, and I got another former Toronto Maple Leaf later on my list too. So, um, so yeah. do I. I know exactly who you picked. <laughs> I don't think you. And I, I'm not looking yeah. at it. I'm not looking at his list uh, there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I just I'm just guessing because I yeah. <laughs> maybe have him on my list too. Uh, why, why is John Tavares on your list? He's also on mine, but what? How, how did he end up on yours? Okay, so, I mean, first off, I, I went and took a peek at uh, regular season stats here, and uh, for a team that's very high scoring, um, a guy who basically put up a point per game this season, uh, his goals above expected were the worst on the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? And then I went and took a peek at, at salaries, and he has the eighth highest AAV in the NHL. 
And at that kind of level, when you're making top 10 money in the NHL, to me, there's certain expectations. And yes, I understand that John Tavares is a very good faceoff man. He plays a very good two-way game, right? Um, but for a guy who has to drive play and produce offensively a little bit more, uh, especially come, come playoff time, um, it just was a little disappointing for me. And to be quite honest, I just, he's, he's one of those players where every time I, I see him play, right. I, I like him, but I always want more, right. There's always something lacking there. And I think ever since he came into the NHL, he wasn't necessarily looked at like a Sidney Crosby generational type player, but he was looked at as like, you know, a, a guy you build a team around. And to me, he's just, he hasn't been that for a while. Right. I mean, ever since he came to Toronto, I mean, yes, his, his first season was great. Um, I thought he did, you know, he played pretty well there, but, but right now, I mean, you've got 18 even strength goals and uh, primarily most of his points are, are coming on the power play right now. I mean, whew, that's, that's tough for me to swallow when, when I, I need a little bit more five on five play yeah. from, from this guy and, and hopefully for the Toronto Maple Leafs in general. Yeah. Uh, at, at $11 million, it's uh, he, he, he's higher on my list. Uh, and, and that's, the reason why i mean it's not that he's a bad player it's that he and it's not even that he hasn't like come close to expectations he's been good he i mean hey he's had you know he he basically over the course of five seasons was with the leafs he's at a point per game uh i think he's four points under a point per game over the course of what like three almost 300 games or whatever it is so uh, i I'll, I'll give him that he's had a he's had a nice little run in toronto he's played fine um he's been pretty decent in the playoffs too uh hasn't been magnificent but he did have he's had some moments he also had of course that catastrophic hit by Corey perry in uh game one against the montreal canadians in the bubble mm-hmm. uh i you know I, I, it does make me wonder what would have happened had the leafs had a healthy Tavares all through those uh, that series. You know, I think the Leafs probably. I think that's probably enough to put the Leafs over the over the top over the Canadians, and then who knows what happens from there. Um, all hindsight, of course, but uh, I yeah, I would agree. I think that he's been largely. It's his expectations were so astronomical because of the deal you signed. I think now you said he's the eighth highest player at the time. Was he not the like second or third highest player in the league? Yeah, at the time, absolutely. So I had Connor McDavid signed his deal yet? I think he had, right? Yes. Yep. So I I think that that would have been the first year of McDavid's deal, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it's pretty darn close to the the highest paid player in the league, and and you're like he's right there yeah that's right yeah that is the same year as mcdavid signed that 12.5 so mcdavid's making 12.5 and you're getting 11 i mean you want to you want to see something i get he's a ufa i get all that stuff but uh yeah largely has not met that like super superstar expectation he's been good he's been good enough uh to where he's not a bust or anything but I think people were hoping that he would reach another level and he never got better than he was with the Islanders. Maybe that's yep. what's most disappointing. Absolutely. That that sums it up pretty good. Actually. And one playoff series win in, in five years with him. You know, that, that hurts too. Uh, all right. Uh, Who do you have at number eight? At number eight, I've got Pierre-Luc Dubois. Okay. That's an interesting pick. Uh, recently traded to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, kind of on a on a downswing. What what made you drop him in here? What what makes you think that he's o- overrated? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's just his attitude, his air that I'm a superstar, that I'm this world beater player where I can pretty much pick and choose where I want to go. Kind of attitude, right? Um, that, that he sets these expectations where, like, okay, cool. Now you're you're making it sound like you're a superstar and. You can just do whatever you want, right? Like a LeBron James where you can basically show up and be like, now nah, this year I'm going to go to Miami. Nah, next year okay, Cleveland. Yep. Nah, next year LA. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so, so you know, again, I, I get this certain, I don't know if you want to call it, um, vision of what I expect him to be, but uh, all these teams keep pandering for him. Uh, everybody wants him. It, you know, this this offseason when, when you knew he was moving, everybody was looking to grab him. Um he just honestly has been nothing more than a second line center to me. And, and everybody treats him like he's a first line center superstar guy. 
And and I get it. He he was decent in Winnipeg this past season. And and yes, he's only 24 years old, so maybe that attitude might change a little bit. Um, you know, now that he signed that long term deal, but. You know, really, for a guy who you know coming out of the draft, you know, I mean, he was taken third overall. So there, which, which I don't, I don't know if you remember that draft. I, I, f- I feel like he was taken earlier than expected. Yes, absolutely. A lot of yeah. people were were surprised that like Columbus didn't take Jesse Puliarvi or you know, and then you have guys which, like which in Mike, hindsight they did make the right pick. <laughs> right, well, yes, absolutely in hindsight, right? But you think about it, you could have had Matthew Kachuk instead. Uh, well, you know, that's, again, that's not a bad. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it, it's hindsight, right? But um, this is a guy who now coming in is you know basically sold himself as the number one guy, and he's never been that. To Actually, he 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 was the top ranked North American skater because okay. Austin Matthews was considered a European skater. That's right, because he played in Switzerland. Uh, Kachuk was number two, and uh, you know you had. Chikrin, McAvoy, Keller on uh, on that list too. So, some some decent high end guys on there, but then it kind of fell apart after that. But I mean, it's not as if he was a bad pick. I, oh no, he, he's not a bust or anything. No, not at all. And he and he's still a good player. Um, you know, and I I would love to have him in Detroit if if that was the case. You know, but um, you know, again for for eight and a half million bucks right now, the expectations have gone up a little bit more. And to me, right now. He feels overrated. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I he just, needs to be. He needs to be better in the counting stats. I think is kind of what you're hinting at. Yeah. And last year he gets he gets to play with you know a 40 goal scorer and Kyle you know Connor and, and basically you can you don't even manage to put up a point per game. I mean, gosh. I mean, come on, man. There's yeah. A, I, I guess there there is the you know the fact of where he came from. New new coach there in Winnipeg last season and the way that. Uh, uh, Rick Bonus coaches a little more tight defensively. That could play into it. It'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I mean, I, I is it fair to say that he has a shot at getting off your list if he has a really great season this year? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the the players he gets to play with, right? So you have to imagine uh, they're still going to try to roll in with Anze Kopitar as their number one, uh, and eventually maybe make the move to to Pierre. You know, maybe in year two or three, but. Um, you know, again, he'll he'll have sheltered minutes, but he'll also have some some really good talent to play alongside. And Adrian Kempe, Kevin Fiala, there'll be guys that'll help him produce. So there's really no more excuses left now, right? You've got the big deal. You you're in a major city. You're with a championship caliber team. So really, the the sky's the limit, and the expectations are even higher now coming in next year. So if you fail, you're going up on my list. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh... Well, my number eight is another former Toronto Maple Leaf, and that is Nazem Kadri from the Calgary mm. Flames. Uh, the deal that he signed was, I mean, good on him. You know, he had a career year when there was a whole bunch of injuries in the regular season. He got uh, he got to play with Makar and got to play with a lot of really good players, feeding him the puck on the power play, Got and uh, he had his magical year in his contract year. And I... It's no knock on Kadri because basically everyone does it, but I, I look at him. I go, I mean, it was a contract year. It was the year he went. He went totally balls out, and he cashed in. And I, for whatever you know, human nature, whatever it may be, it's it just he had his he had his best season. I don't think he's coming coming anywhere close to what he put up uh, his final year in Colorado. I think he's a good player, but I think he was. Hyped big time. He was the only guy available. Calgary's desperate to get people that want to come there. And that's Nazem Kadri. I don't think he's a number one center. I think he is best suited on a great team as a number three, like in a top nine where he can kind of dance all over the place. Uh, and play. he could play up in the lineup when you need him to. But I think ideally you've got at least one really good center ahead of him, if not two. Which was the case if in Toronto? Too. Like when he was the when he was great, uh, it was when he was the third line center for the Leafs. <laughs> oh, I think he's overrated. Okay, I mean that's fair. I I certainly can't blame you. I don't think he's me, a bum or anything. I just think he's overrated. No, and another thing I like to I mean I, I typically do too is you know, some guys that you know maybe are in a new system, a new you know they get a little bit more of a. Uh, 
a pass, right, or just maybe a, a discount on their play a little bit, right? So, um, like, maybe you could put, you know, Jonathan Huberto right on this list, too, but, um, you know, maybe I give him a pass for, you know, you know what, it was first year, new system, new coach. Um, we'll see how he does yep. again next year, but. Yep, yep, fair. Uh, all right, who do you have at number seven? All right, number seven, I've got my first of three goaltenders on my list. So, uh, three yeah. Three goals, all right. Yeah, so almost half my list now. Uh, but Thatcher Demko, to me, mm. uh, makes my list at number seven. Interesting. Uh, what made you put him there? So, I, to be quite honest, I, I look at this guy and... So, to me, honestly, just looking at him, I mean, you know, like I mentioned, he just doesn't pass the eye test to me. He, You could, you could contribute it to this team, just had a, a poor year defensively, but overall, uh, just looking at him, he just doesn't look sound in the net and... Again, when he came into the NHL, um, obviously they they move on from from guys like Corey Snyder, Roberto Luongo, Jacob Markstrom, right, and they make room uh, for Thatcher Demko, right? He's the next Herald starter. Uh, essentially, twenty twenty one, he plays thirty five games and nine fifteen save percentage, which isn't bad um, for a guy basically playing backup minutes, but gets thrusted last year, not last year, but two seasons ago, twenty one, twenty two, into a starter role. Yeah, after Markstrom and- left. Yeah, after Markstrom left, and and he was fine. It wasn't anything to write home about. It wasn't uh, superb or like you're you're looking at this guy and like like Jeremy Swayman, right? After his first season, you know, thirty ish games and a nine twenty save percentage, I'm like, okay, I, I see where you're going here. Um, and and kind of had those same feelings about Demko, but last you know two seasons ago, I, I when he's the full time starter, it was uh, it was a little weary. And of course, he got the big contract, you know to be basically paid like a, a starter and take over. And, you know, again, this season injuries, he just doesn't really look like he's comfortable in the net. And, and maybe again, part of that might have to do with the fact that he's, um, you know, again, dealing with a, uh, a below par defense, but uh, the way his forward group drives play in front of him, that should be good enough for him to, you know, at least, I mean, you know, keep some of these pucks out of the net. It, it was just, there were a lot of times where, you know, this season it was just hard to watch him and hard to watch, you know, Vancouver as a whole. And, and yeah, you look minus, at it, minus, almost minus three goals saved above expected. So, yeah, definitely had a shaky year. Yeah. And, and, and all of his 15 numbers. 15 the year before. Yeah. All of his numbers just, they just weren't there this year. And, you know, again, I'm not really sold on him yet as, as a number one. Uh, he, he might be a very, very good 1B, but. Um, right now, you know, the way people, especially because he's from a Canadian market, uh, he gets hyped up a little yep. bit more and that might yeah, be people watch him a little reason. more. Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, I mean, he was seventh in Vesna trophy voting in 21, 22, but you would say that that's because he's overrated, not because he was necessarily that great. Absolutely. All right. Uh, didn't make my list, but that's a, that's a good one. Especially given what happened this last year, you go, all right, like what who really are you you know what what goalie are we going to see um he did play 64 games the year before that's a lot of games uh hopefully the vancouver canucks can manage that better and he doesn't end up getting hurt and uh you know i I think there's a chance he plays for vancouver all year i think he also might be one of those names that we hear a lot on the trade block i know he's i mean he still has how many three years left on his deal but for a team looking for a goalie at five million bucks, I got to think that Demko, if he can get going at all, I got to think that they would consider moving him, especially given where they've they've been at. Um, all right, well, I, I digress. I'll go to my number seven. My number seven is a Dallas Stars uh, former star, I would say. Well, he's a, he's a he's a current Dallas star. He used to be a star. I think he's still talked about like he is. Uh, this star player who just needs to return to form a little bit and that he can totally get there. But uh, in my mind, he is nothing. He's a shell of who he was. And that's Tyler Sagan. Oh, I like it. Uh, Tyler Sagan just has, I mean, I know, you know, everybody, everybody talked about it. Like this year, he had a return to glory year. And you know what? He basically had the same year as he did the year before. He just didn't, he just wasn't horrible defensively. Um, but I, I kind of contribute that the, to the rest of the team, not to him. I I think that this team would be better off without him. Not because he's a bad player, but because his cap hit is ridiculous. Basically $10 million a year. And 
it's going to be that way for another four seasons, including this one. And he is nothing more than a 50 point player. Yeah, that's tough. Right. And it's probably getting worse. Right. (laughs) Probably. Right. And and that's tough when you talk about a cap hit, right? I mean, at least with John Tavares, you're getting a guy who's still going to give you some offensive production. He's still putting up close to 80 points a a season. It's fine. Yeah. And if if Tavar if if Tyler Sagan was close to this maybe seventy points we wouldn't be having this conversation right now right right yeah. and and yeah I know he was there for the playoff he he managed to kind of stay healthy and all this and like he was healthy the year before uh, it was really just that 20, 2020, 21 season where he he only played three games uh, but I I just I feel like Tyler Sagan. I mean, hey, prove me wrong. I'll, I hope that he has a, a nice return to glory and that he can find himself again. I mean, he was great for Dallas. Uh, you know, his first several seasons in Dallas, he was great. 84, 77, 73, 72, 78, 80 points. Uh, it's really just been since 1920 that he kind of fell off the off the map. Ironically, that was the year they went to the Stanley Cup Finals and he was absolute uh, garbage with, with two goals there in 26 games. Uh, and that's uh, that to me is kind of his like beginning of his true decline. He just couldn't hang uh, in those tough moments, and and uh, yeah, I, I think for the most part he's just a very overpaid second line center. Uh, and that brings us to number six. Who do you have? Number six, I've got another goaltender, and that is Jack Campbell. Oh, well, good lord! He, it's not even fair. <laughs> 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 he was just trying to get some money, Justin. <laughs> Uh, again, I, I don't blame anybody. He played for his hands so well. Uh, he did. He really did, right? So I, I can't. I can't ever blame a guy for for wanting to get paid, right? There's, there's that part of it. But you know, again, if if you want to go get paid, and if you want people to pay you like a starter, you got to kind of perform like a starter, right? I mean, look, a, a guy on your the only goaltender on your list, Tristan Jari. At least he put up some decent numbers to where you're like, okay, this is kind of doable, right? Assuming he stays healthy, right? That's a whole other... Campbell basically other put up a good October through December one time. Right. And he got paid <laughs> up the ass. Yeah, and, and what's funny is like, so I often wonder, and probably the main reason why he's this high and on my list to begin with, is I looked at that Toronto team last year, and com- or two seasons ago, and compared them to this 2022-23 team, where Toronto's defense just got much, much better they improved so much defensively as a team and as, you know, a back end. Um, and I wonder, like, okay, so Jack Campbell was able to put up some decent numbers in Toronto with a, a subpar defensive team. Imagine what he could I, – I think he probably would have done pretty good on a Toronto team had he put up, you know, again. He, I think he just numbers. went to the wrong system. And, and yeah. maybe, they can, maybe they'll build more around him. I, I don't know, but I – yeah, I – I agree. I mean, it just seems like it, it's a disaster. But we've also seen where, hey, a goalie has a rough year and they turn right around and they're they're a, a solid goalie again. I think goaltending is just it's so so tough to be great or even good every year. So many goalies aren't good every year, but uh, it, it's just a matter of like, can he get out of his head and and get back into it and uh, and find his game again? And well, that's the thing. We'll, we'll see. You look at the. The, the goal saved above expected, right? He's fourth worst in the NHL. And guys behind him on the list are Elvis Merce-Lickens. We know how terrible Columbus was. And that's not even his fault, yeah. Right, San Jose. And then Spencer Martin from, you know, Vancouver, Vancouver. who shouldn't even be. Was all, yeah, and all those, all those teams were totally non-playoff teams, whereas you've got Edmonton. It's a, a not just a playoff team, but a Stanley Cup contender. Right. And, and you can't possess- find yourself there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they control the play. They control the puck. So you, you think there would be... I mean, just some better numbers there to go by, but yep, there's nothing yep. there. All right, uh, my number my number six is a Nashville Predator that I think was not horribly overpaid, but overpaid, uh, and for a very long time. That is Philip Forsberg. Uh, he had a really fantastic season in twenty one twenty two, and like Nazem Kadri, he had a career year and went and signed a big fat deal and. Uh, last year didn't look as good. I know he got hurt. He only played 50 games. Uh, but even before that year, when Forsberg, Forsberg had 84 points, 42 and 42 in 69 games. And before that, he never once put up a point per game. He didn't score more than 33 goals, and that was in 15-16. Uh, he hadn't scored more than 
I mean, yeah, he hadn't scored more than 30 since 16, 17. So I, I think horribly overrated. Uh, uh, they just were desperate to keep someone that was that wanted to stay there, and they they paid him a lot of money. I don't think he's a bad player, but I think that he is a a second line winger. So he's overpaid at eight point five million dollars. Especially he's uh, oh, August thirteenth. He just turned twenty nine, so it's not going to be too long before he's thirty and. Uh, he just seems like the kind of player that might not age super well because he already hasn't. <laughs> so that's my number six. Okay. All right, let's head into your top five. Uh, oh, here, I'll just do, I'll give you two of my top fives because we've already hit them. At five, I have Matthew Barzell, and at four, I have John Tavares. So, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got a, a few of those fellers pretty high. Um, I've got them that high because of a lot of the reasons we talked about. Uh, Tavares just so tremendously overpaid for what he actually brought to the table. So that's uh, that's that there. Kind of same for Barzell. Uh, but Barzell, more or less, really great rookie season. And everyone's been talking about him since then. And he's been a pretty average 1B type of center since then. He's a Ryan Johansson. He's he's just this generation's like this kind of iteration of Ryan Johansson, a nice center who should be a second line center, but is getting paid like a first line center because he's flashy. Because he's flashy, people like him. People like him. He's getting more money because of it. All right, uh, let's go. Your <laughs> five four. All right, number five. I've got Seth Jones from the Chicago Ooh, Blackhawks. He's my number three. Dude, there you go. All yeah, right, we're right there. Yeah, uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously he played on a terrible team last year, but um, listen, with with that contract and you know the expectations coming out of Columbus and Nashville, whatever you want to, you know, wherever you want to go back to. Um, I mean, listen, he was expected to be a, a top two defenseman in this game, and and, and you know, initially he, he was he for showed, a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had flashes of there, looked pretty good, but um, played really you know, well last- when he was with Wierenski. Yeah, but those last couple of years in, in Columbus started seeing things go downhill. And, and ultimately here in Chicago, when he was traded and signed that massive extension, uh, it just it has not looked good. And I nope. mean, I, I get it. They're right there. They're on the rebuild. So expectations have to be tempered a little bit. But again, you you lead your team and, you know, giveaways, your all your numbers just are looking very subpar. Um, no, he's not. A, he's not even a top pairing defenseman. No, not, I mean, he's it, getting paid like he's one of the best defensemen in the league, and he's not even a top pairing defenseman. Yeah, and I would gladly pay him to be my number, you know, my my second pairing guy. Sure, uh, five, five six team. million bucks a year, and he's probably off this list. Yep, couldn't agree anymore. Yep, um, yeah, I uh, that and there was so much hype around him getting dealt. So and there was so much evidence that he was already overrated and already on the wrong side of his trajectory because every time Wierenski went down, he went in the toilet. And everyone saw how many deficiencies he had when he didn't have a really talented actual top pairing defenseman playing with him. And uh, frankly, it was it was obvious to many people uh except for I guess well at the time was that Stan Bowman? Yeah, it was. Yep. So, good luck, Stan, getting another job. Uh, uh, that last name will help, <laughs> right? Well, he has some Stanley Cups, too, you know? Yeah, he, that'll help a little he bit. He helps somebody dingle a kid, but he'll probably still get a job. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not wrong. He, You're not. <laughs> he, played a, he played a small part. No matter how small part it was, it was pretty... Anyways. Um, who do you have at number four? All right, at number four, I've got Mark Andre Fleury. You know, I saw him on some list. You know, I did a little research, seeing what other people thought. I saw him on some lists. Uh, why do you have him on so high at this stage yeah. in his career? Are we are I, we talking I, like his whole career? Just oh no, now, not at all. Just yeah, right now, just recently. Yeah, the last few seasons. I mean, uh, look, I, he he looked phenomenal in Vegas. His you know his last season there, and he, you know what? I felt bad for the guy. Because I still thought he had something left to give, and you know, I don't know what really happened there. And I'm sure, you know, ten years from now, we'll hear some stories from some guys behind the scene that'll talk about it after Fleury retired. Like his, oh, it was his agent, or maybe it was really Mark Andre Fleury that put out that tweet. Whatever, I don't care. Oh, that whole thing. Um, 
Yeah, so he gets traded to Chicago, which, you know. Again, they still boinked I, him over, though. Yeah, they they did. They did, absolutely. And that was Vegas's thing, right? They they basically are, are willing to trade anybody at any time. And we, we see that this offseason when they trade Riley Smith, right? Let's, let's be, um, they made the worst bet because they bet on Robin Leonard that year. Well, luckily for them. I but mean, it worked they, out. I mean, it did yeah, work out. it worked out. Yeah. Yes, but you know what? Uh, Mark Andre Fleury goes to Minnesota, a team that is uh, historically more defensive than offensively, right? So, so I figured, you know what? Okay, he's coming from Chicago, a team that had no defense in front of him, and he put up okay numbers there. So he's going to go to Minnesota, and you know what? His first season there, he comes in during the regular season nine and two, and then he gets the playoff run. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? Shit, he kind of kind of screwed over Cam Talbot there because Cam Talbot was there all year. He looked really, really good. Yep. Uh, he even yep. looked very good going in down the stretch as Marc-Andre Fleury, but they decided to go with the veteran netminder, which, okay, uh, you could flip a coin on that one, and you know you could understand maybe why they wanted to go with Fleury, um, but he looked atrocious in the playoffs. They give him this contract. Now he's stuck there, a no-movement clause. Last year just looked terrible, uh, looked very much out of place, his age showing, and so – uh, really for a guy who, you know, coming into Minnesota was expected to be a starter. You know, he's supposed to carry that team now. It, it looks like his days are behind him. Yep. And I I guess my my thought is that he's not overrated because, like, everyone feels that way. That, like, well, he's old and he's, you know, we finally, he's hit his, he's hit his end of the road. And uh, so from my perspective, personally at least i don't overrate him because i don't i don't have any expectations of him anything that he can give now is like that last little bit when you're like trying to squeeze a little more water out of a sponge and like you find a little pocket and you get some extra <laughs> that's that's what i you know hey maybe you find that pocket and he gives you he gives you some spectacular moments but uh, but here's the thing though At, from a minnesota wild perspective they trade away Cam Talbot, a guy who was good, yeah, who yeah, was playing they, well. You're right to to basically make him their their starter and their yeah. number one, and it just hasn't worked out. Yeah, they had too high of expectations. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good. Yeah, did the team have too high expectations of that player? Absolutely. That's a good point. Uh, all right. Well, you're number three because uh, mine was Seth Jones. <laughs> yeah, number three for me is uh, my second Edmonton Oiler, and not last Son Edmonton of a Oiler bitch. on the list. <laughs> Darnell Nurse. He's my number two. <laughs> I need to look at your you, list beforehand so I can just go in and make edits to mine so that I feel better. Uh, hands down, this is all I'm going to say, hands down the most overpaid defenseman in the league right now. Maybe may, overpaid may, player. Maybe most overpaid player, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a player that I would rather have uh, less <laughs> with how much money he makes. So Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I'm right there. He has a golden opportunity to cash in playing on, you know, the the first power play unit with guys like, you know, Connor McDavid, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, and just can't seem to produce, really. I mean, you look at, you know, other players like Charlie McAvoy, Quentin Hughes, uh, you know, Kale McCarr, these guys who, you know, are, you know, top defense young guys, like Darnell Nurse was kind of herald to be, and uh, they kind of lived up to the hype, but he he has not, and, you know, he, he loses that number one power play to Tyson Berry, and now it's, you know, you know Evan Bouchard, so... Yep. It's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's almost like you, you don't even have to really talk much about it because it's just so obvious. It's one of the ob- more obvious ones that he's just he he's been bad since he signed that contract. He was kind of bad before he signed that contract, and uh, and that's that's that. Um, yeah, and four more years of no movement clauses either beautiful. before you get to a modified. Just so. just beautiful. Well, I guess <laughs> who's your number two? <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, number two, probably not on your list, but I've got Brad Marchand. Okay, Brad Marchand. Interesting. Uh, why is he overrated? Yeah, so obviously, I, I, I've, you know, every single year you see the, you know, NHL.com, TSA, and all these publications, they always put out like their top 20 wings, top, you know, 10 players in the NHL. Sure, sure. And you always see Brad Marchand's name make those lists, at least when it comes to like left or, or wingers in general, right? Um, probably because he's a like by a more than a point per game player making six million bucks <laughs> right which is great I, I mean I think you know he's he's a great value player right for the money you're paying him and what you're getting in return so doesn't it's that great. say that he's not overrated because he's a great value player well here is would my he be your, why... on your top value players list no not at all 
Because he, oh, look at the value he get. Last, I mean, yeah, 67 points in 73 games, not quite a point per game. But before that, 80 and 70, 69 and 53, 87 and 70. Well, here's why he is, to me, overrated. And, you know, for one thing, I just don't like his game to begin with. You know, he's a dirty player. And I, you know what, you can say what you want about that. But I went all the way back uh, to 16, 17 when, when David Pasternak came in the league. And, well, not when he came in the league, but when he emerged in the league as a top line winger. And that's when you saw Patisse Bergeron and and Brad Marchand's numbers just go through the roof, right? Because Pasta shows up and he starts producing. So, you know, again, I, I look at it every single year and you see, okay, if Pasta's producing, so is Marchand, right? So where is Marchand without him? Well, this year was was a clear example. Uh, Pasta gets moved to the second line. He plays alongside, um, you know, Eric Halla and, and Taylor Hall or Tyler Bertuzzi, who, who, whomever is in and there. Still and still score 60 goals. <laughs> Yeah, it still scores 60 goals, right? So clearly he doesn't need any of these guys to do what he does, and there's a reason why he's getting paid 11-plus million bucks. However, Brad Marchand's numbers, what do they do? They slip. Yeah, um, well, that's true. possession numbers slip. His you know, uh, his, give, his giveaways just go up. Uh, he's always, also 35 years old. Like I, I just don't know if he's overrated as much as he's just kind of aging. Well, I'll tell you this. I mean, we're going to see, I think, the true form of Well, he's going to be back he, with Pasternak, I would think. Uh, well, we don't know. I mean, they still got DeBrusque in there. They've still got Eric Kala, who, you know, played pretty well with, with Pasta there before David Ritchie came back. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see, right? So Brad Marchand, to me, is not a line driver, and he's not he, – you know, he's he's a little bit of a goon when he's not, you know, playing with Pasta. So um, – We'll see if he was, right. you know, if he's really truly overrated. All right, that's a gutsy, gutsy move. I like it. Uh, all right, <laughs> I'm going to take my number one first because you know you've you have uh, you've just beat me to all, practically all mine. Um, so <laughs> I I'm going to go with my number one, and it is an Anaheim Duck was on the cover of NHL 22, I think or 23, was Trevor Zegras. Really? Most overrated son bitch in the NHL. This guy is nothing more than a second line player. And he is not like, I mean, he, he hasn't gotten paid yet. Um, I think there's a reason he hasn't gotten paid because they're looking at him going, I mean, you're you're like a 20 goal scorer in the NHL. Uh, we're not going to pay you the $9 million that you're hoping for. Uh, I think that he is overrated it's not that he's bad it's not that i wouldn't want him on my team he is it, like the way that people talk about him is like he's one of the top five most skilled players in the nhl he is not he's done a couple cool things with the puck is he creative absolutely would i put him on like maybe top 10 most creative players in the league sure does that mean that you're not overrated because frankly you haven't done anything in the league and people talk about you like you're god um i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and see so for now he is my most overrated player in the national hockey league Okay. I'll give him another year or two before I, I start going there because, you know, again, he's young, he's flashy, right? So there, there comes a little bit of, uh, you know, that, you know, you're overrated, overhyped um, because of that flash. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think because he's on the West Coast, he doesn't get as much hype as maybe some guys on the East Coast would. He was so. on the cover of NHL. <laughs> like, I was well, on I, the cover of the most, like, he, it's, the, it's basically like, you know, it's like being on the cover of Madden. You are so so hyped, but and who's on the cover of Madden? You know, it's or on the cover of of NHL. You've got Austin Matthews, and like it's it's usually Connor McDavid. It's it's big name players, and Zegers got thrown into that mix, and he is not that player. because he scored a Michigan goal, and that's really the only he scored a cool goal exactly. So he's so overrated <laughs> because he scored a cool goal. <laughs> So dumb. Well, so did Ken Johnson. So by that logic, Ken Johnson needs to get on there. But he didn't do it first, so. That's true. <laughs> All right. Who's your number one? I'm curious. Uh, number one for me is Evander Kane. Oh, interesting. All right. I'm, I want to hear why. Yeah. I, so so here's the thing. He's always been touted as, and I don't want to say elite goal scorer, but he's been touted as, you know, uh, a really good goal scorer for so long. And, you know, again, take all that personal off ice stuff that, you know, aside, right. You know, all those bankruptcy issues, all that stuff. But, um, you know, teams have always coveted him because he can score goals, but really he's only scored more than 30 once. Uh, well, he scored that 30 was, once. Yeah. 
Yeah, scored 30 once. That was it. And he's always played ever since 2012-13 in Winnipeg. He has played at least 18-plus minutes a night, which is is top-line minutes. And if you're giving a guy those kind of minutes, whether it's in Buffalo, San Jose, when the teams were – you know, not really that good or, or, you know, even now in Edmonton when, you know, the teams are, you know, supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders, he's not producing. And, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't expect him to put up, you know, 85, 90 points, but, but hell, I mean, for a guy who plays alongside Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid every freaking shift, yeah, yeah, that that should be a gimme. Of, I mean, you know, it, getting it actually points. surprises me, and I th- I think it will surprise some of our listeners that his best season is fifty six points in a year right. that he played. Actually, that year is the most games he's played in his career at seventy five games. So, a he's never played more than seventy five games in a year. Uh, most years he plays somewhere between 55 and 60 games and uh and he's only put up 56 points in the most he, that's the only year he has more than 50 points so yep, and eight, I, man what a pick that's actually a i I'll, I'll i'll give it to you that was a that's a great find because that he is a horribly overrated player yeah and he got paid i mean seven million dollars yeah. a season yeah. to I mean, what the frick, San Jose? He has a 56-point season, and you're going to shell out that money. And he's he's and usually he's leading five. Your, yeah, yeah. And he's usually top of your team as far as you know uh, penalty Tons penalty minutes, minutes are yeah. concerned too. So not the most disciplined young lass. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I love it. That's a that's a great list. Good good job on it. And uh, good job to you. Looking looking forward. I think we'll, we may have to start jumping into some like actual team things going on. Uh, and we'll we'll kind of we'll figure that out for the next show. Um, until then, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. We hope that you're enjoying your summer. Hockey is almost back. I think we have like three and a half weeks or so before training camp. So we're we're getting close. We're getting close. Uh, and Justin, hope you have a great rest of your day. To our listeners, uh, enjoy the the sunshine, and we'll talk to you guys soon.